everybody. I am Andy Weinberg, and welcome to week two of the David Wasikinen In the Pocket podcast. And boy, do we have a treat for you today. I will let David Wasikinen introduce our special guest. Hello, David. Hey, Andy. How you doing? Great. Episode two. <laughs> they let us back for a yeah, second they week. They did. And uh, man, I'm excited because... Uh, we have a legend with us. Uh, you know, I've been a big fan. I'm fortunate to have the one and only Charlie Ingwies to my left, who who uh, who is, uh, uh, you know, from the Soul Survivors, one of the greatest groups, bands that come out of Philadelphia and New York, I should say. Dave, and nice. uh, Charlie is, um, you know, <laughs> I just told Charlie when I was walking out of the building to look for my phone that um, I saw Charlie and the Soul Survivors at the Steel Pier because Charlie was admiring my Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels uh, T-shirt. Nice at this, at this, uh, they were playing the Ed Hurst show. In 19, it might have been 66, 67, but I saw them play with, um, on the Ed Hurst show at Steel Pier. Mm -hmm. I was there with my mom and dad and my two sisters. And uh, uh, I, I remember a band called Mandrake Memorial were playing as well, but they had to do something on a bench. They had to, back in the day when they would show a, a little video clip, but the Soul Survivors were playing, and I remember uh, one of the guys walked out wearing a like a white, like it looked like I was for a moment there. I thought I was looking at Moses because he had the, <laughs> he had the, I mean, maybe it was Kenny or somebody like it was wearing a wild was. outfit, but Probably. but Charlie and Richie were like, you know, I knew who they were because I was already listening to Wibbage and. WFI, I was listening to radio, so I knew Expressway. And then when I saw them, I, I felt like I was looking at I was looking at gods, you know. And, and, and then it, how about when you heard them? How, oh, how about when man, they started to sing? Sound, nothing sounded like that. It, you know, it, it's so so cool. You know, having the opportunity to play that song, but that song was unique still and at the day when I first heard it, because you, even, when we were just listening to Expressway, you hear that intro with the horns and the innovative production behind it, and then you hear those voices. And that in itself, to this day, I think you guys, you've been even better. <laughs> you're like, you're like an, a, a, you're supposed a good to get wine, better. man. And, um, uh, you know, it, Charlie, it did you away. Did you guys know right away when you recorded that that you had something special? No, not, no, not at all. Really? No. Um, wow. Well, I didn't. Um, maybe some of the other guys did. It's but, funny how that works, though. Uh, you know, you never, you don't know. But man, I'm telling you, well, you hope. what a significant, <laughs> well, uh, uh, unique sound, too, man. Really, to yeah. this day, I mean, that's what makes you so special because you and Rich have this. It, it's it's you create an instrument, you know, like between you two, and you both have your own identities, which really makes it special. But it's incredible. Well, well, you we guys, sang, you okay, know, Charlie. I mean, we sang together basically all all our lives since you were little um, kids. Since we were kids, so um, in New York, in New York. Uh, I mean, you know, we had that sibling harmony. Uh, and we had the same experience, so basically the same soul. You know, wow. And, uh, um, I never, <laughs> never had to think twice about um, where he'd be when we started singing. I, I saw how that worked. Vice versa, yeah. I mean, and Richie. I, I, it still gives me chills to this day thinking about we, we recorded Backstabbers uh, within the pocket and Richie's sitting behind me and with Rich Rich never conveyed a message to you in musical terms maybe once in a while but he when it, he I don't think anybody ever felt if it wasn't right boom mm -hmm. you knew it right away yeah. but when it was right 
that's it. And he would say, like, he would demonstrate, you know, like, I'm hearing it, like, you know, he would sing a rhythm to you. He, you know, uh, he was just, uh, he was in the music, really into music. And, Absolutely. Uh, you know, what a remarkable talent. And did you, when did you guys first start uh, singing your first real band together? Well, there was a, the Dedications, right? That was an early we, band? We, yes, it was, a, it was a vocal group um, back in New York, and uh, that was the first time we sang together. Now, he had, prior to that, you know, he had his own group. Really? Yeah, uh, yeah he had his own groups, um, uh, mostly out of uh, Astoria, Queens. And, you know, he was building up a name for himself. And, and I joined this group in, also in Queens called Dedications. Huh. And they, had, they already had a record out. Wow. Uh, so we, we... How old were you? Uh, oh, well, maybe 16, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. And Richie, yeah. Richie would have been like 13 years old. Yeah. He already had oh, a group. Yeah. 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 Well, hey, Frankie Lyman was 13. Yeah. yeah. Stevie. Well, he, yeah, yeah. I mean... I mean I guess that wasn't that unusual back in the day. But, no, it but wasn't. You knew what you wanted to do from well, exactly. like an early age. This is what I'm doing. I knew what I wanted to do when I was eight years old. <laughs> you had, like me. Yeah, I know. I get it. You know, you, was there a, was there a rivalry there between the two of you, or was it always no, there, not really. No, there wasn't a rivalry. Uh, I always wanted to get him into the group. Yeah, uh, who sang like that? Right, he's know, amazing. And, uh, when when one of the guys left. The dedications to to get married and you know start another life. That was the opportunity to get Richie into the band, into the group. We were just we were a vocal group at that time. Yeah. So we would play, we would play. Um, and I don't forget they like I said they had a record out. There was a cover. It was a cover record of an earlier doo-wop hit, which was uh, "Why Don't You Write Me" by the Jacks. <laughs> and it was, uh, you know, one of those classic uh, West Coast RPM records, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and so there was, there was, there were bowling alley gigs and hops and stuff like that. Hops where, where you would, <laughs> where you would lip sync the record. And, yeah. But these hops were run by some pretty cool people. Um, well, well, cool. I don't mean. Um, I don't want to say corrupt, but, you know, cool and corrupt. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, these people all work for, like, Alan Freed. Yeah. Um, and But they ran legitimate, you know, uh, it was good promotion, good promotion. Yeah. So we had been doing those gigs. Then when Richie got into into the group, we we were actually doing clubs, like nightclubs, you know. Hey, you know, Club 18 here in Brooklyn, you know, ba -ba 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 -ba. Patty DeMarco <laughs> is the host. Uh, <laughs> you know, how you feeling tonight? Ba -da -ba 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 -ba. Yeah. You know, all that kind of stuff with a comic and a stripper and all that. Wow. And uh, But we had no band, so we were kind of at the mercy of the house band. Yeah. And that's when we decided that, um, after doing that for a while, we decided that we'd, we'd better get some permanent backing and that's when we hooked up with uh, three, uh, a little rhythm section, three musicians. Uh, the, you know, it's funny because, I, you know, with the Hooters, I, Tommy Williams, uh, the, yeah. the, the uh, sick, our sixth man, who now right. he plays every show with us. Yeah, I know. Wasn't an amazing musician, but he knows your very first drummer. This is like, Joe, yeah. I think it's his uncle or something. Pa passed away, unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah, Joe. Uh, um, what, what was his last name? Was it Fujion? Yeah. Yeah. 
Amazing. Well, you know, he, 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 he comes from the same neighborhood, and he, and, and Tommy plays with Joey's nephew. Right, right. That was in, one in, day he said, yeah. Dave Charlie, because my uncle or something played yeah. with him. I was like, wow, are yes. you kidding me? Oh, yeah, there was, there's a connection there for yeah. sure. So As a matter of fact, when I first saw him, excuse me, Andy, when I first saw him with you guys, I said, well, what's he doing here? <laughs> but that Kid worked can out. play, man. Yeah, it worked good. out. I'm so, so you bring these musicians in, and then, so this would have been, what, 1965, 66? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And yeah. then how soon after that did uh, Gamble and Huff come, uh, was, come to you? Yeah, well, because, was a couple you, of years. You, because you were in New York. Yeah, we were playing. Uh, uh, like early on in New York, were you, were you playing clubs in New yeah, York, we like doing clubs. that? And then, because sure, they come at getting to, how did the, the, the move from New well, York I mean, to Philly happen? I'll tell you yeah. how it happened. We, we played clubs in New York. We played, you know, like, the Rolling Stones, the Rolling Stones, Scott Muni's place, uh, Clay Cole's place, the Happening Place, Cheetah, all the, you know, different different clubs up there. Right. Um, but one one Memorial Day weekend, we uh, we got a gig in Atlantic City. And I guess, where would it be? In, oh, was uh, it, it was it was a Penguin Club. Ah, it was a Penguin Club. Okay, the bust out bar joint. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, also. A stripper, uh, yeah. an organ tree. People don't realize back in the day, though, that's, New York, that's what it was. Atlantic City was, oh yeah, like, like an entertainment mecca. You know, yes. people would go, exactly. you know, to see, you know, just get away. It was like an early Vegas, right? Exactly. Yeah. So these these uh, venues, you know, you'd play all night, yeah. you'd play right through the night. We used to do seven sets a night <laughs> and walk out to the sunshine. Yeah. You know? And then, like that shirt you're wearing, that, yeah, Tony, that, Tony, that Tony March shirt. Yeah, we, we Tony go March. With, that's where we'd go uh, yeah. when we were done about six o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Go to the Dunes. Dunes, or, Dunes till know. dawn. Yeah, they, you know that yeah. was the thing. Catch Johnny Caswell and yeah. Crystal Mansion. Yeah, legendary bands. We were just talking about Johnny Caswell when we we're in Europe. About, hey, don't forget the know? band played there before. Right. You know, <laughs> I know that Eric and Rob played there with wax and they got they were fired <laughs> because they were playing mm. you know you got to be able to dance to this stuff you know exactly. and they were doing like prog rock or something yeah. like that but they got so like, the yeah. connection for us in atlantic city was a, a bunch of kids came in one night who were from philadelphia and they came back the next night and the next night and they brought their friends and it started to get real Real crowded. We became real popular. So you guys had soul probably at, back then. Like, you, you, well, we did all. You, you know, know, we were doing kind of obscure R and B stuff. Yeah, and, we, and you know, we were doing all the Sam and Dave. People stuff. could dance to that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. they loved to dance to it. And uh, and so they said, "Well, why don't you come up to uh, where we hang out up in Philly?" I said, well, "Sounds good. Where, where, you know, where?" So they gave us the name of the club, which was uh, the Living Room on Thirteenth and Locust. Wow. <laughs> Which was like a, yeah, a I mean, mecca, man. Sure. You know, there's right. like one building with three clubs. Right. The American Dream played there, too, right? They, they played there, yeah. but, you know. Uh, well, we we wanted, we played there with uh, with uh, the Blue Notes. Wow. Frankie Beverly's group, the Butlers. Right. Um, you know, all, all these the fantastic bands groups. of the day. Right. Yeah, but they, they weren't that happening then. Ah. <laughs> you know? I mean, it they was were just, on their way. They were on their way up. The Beatles really. and everything started '64. Yeah. Well, this is yeah. This yeah. is um, they hadn't had all their Gamble and Huff hits yet. Yeah. Um, well, you were the really the first. Though. Well, we were right. the first, but that didn't happen uh, until we really developed a following at the living room, and we started huh. making a lot of noise and getting into the papers, and uh, really, um, it was Jerry Blavitt who 
who um, uh, asked Kenny and Huff to, come, to, to check us out because we were making a lot of noise down there. Wow. Physically and... Uh, the heat. <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> so so um, they did, and and uh, they liked what they saw, and uh, and they had this tune, Expressway, you know, that Kenny had written on his way to... Uh, when he was sitting in traffic on the school goal, on his way to see his girlfriend at the time, Dee Dee Sharp. Yeah. So, uh... We just seen them at a party. Yeah, we just... Together, yeah. right? Yes, Isn't that wild? Well, they're still good friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's how, you know, so then, uh, that's how uh, we recorded Expressway. As far as... At Sigma? Did you do that at we Sigma? We did it, um... Yeah. yeah. We did it at Sigma. It was just... It was still cameo at the time. Oh, okay. It was three oh nine South mm-hmm. Broad, but it was still cameo when when we did Expressway. Um, My gosh! And yeah. you said you'd, uh, even after you recorded it, you and Richie didn't look at each other and say, "Wow, we, we just we just made magic." Well, right there. no, we just said, "Hey, hey, we got a record out." <laughs> that's what we said. Uh, Listen, that's that's I all we it. ever wanted. You right. know, to we, hear yourself on the airwaves. Yeah, man. When you yeah. when you when you start out back then. You're not imagining like, okay, yeah, I want to play to a full house here, or but I want to make a record. <laughs> I want to be on the radio. Yeah, I'm a radio guy. Yeah, you know, it's funny we have that in common. I I got I remember a band, a guy quit one of my bands. I was one of the members in the Torpedoes, and when he quit, he goes, "Your problem is is you just want to get on the radio." I said, "Yeah, <laughs> guilty. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> guilty." That's all I thought about. It's like, how can you? Well, how do you move forward? So and you I'll were ne- doing I'll, that too. Yeah. So I'll never I'll never forget. Exactly where I was when I first heard uh, Expressway on the radio. Uh, I was in Philly at a friend's house on the, on the steps, on the stoop, as we call it, yeah. on the stoop. And uh, I guess it was uh, FIL, listening to, to that on the radio. Long John Wade. And here comes this record that we just made. We made it six months ago. I mean, it yeah. wasn't like, hey, you know, fresh off the, the press, here it is. It was just shocking. To no, hear. it was like six months later. Yeah. And then, you didn't know? Did you know that no. it was going to come on? You just heard no, it? No, we just heard it. Yeah. That's yeah. what a feeling we, that is. That was a great feeling. It's like, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well, that's, then we said, you know, well, that's step one. Let's, yeah. Let's see what happens from here. And it happened from there. Well, man. that well, song in itself is just like, like I said, you hear it today. It still sounds fresh. It still. It's one of the greatest great. feel-good songs of all. You yeah. can't listen to that song and not feel great. So why don't we play? It? Why don't we have our engineer Marcus uh, cue it up for us and, and let's hear? It was a number a number four hit in 1967. The Soul Survivors yeah. Expressway to Your Heart. started to shower you with love and affection now you won't look in my direction on the expressway to your heart that expressway not the best way it's much too crowded no it's much too crowded
I got caught in the rush hour Those fellas started to shower You with love and affection Come on, look in my direction What 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 a, what a great special. what a great song! Yeah, it so still holds up. Man. How soon after that did your lives change? Oh, uh, pretty soon after that, when um, when we started reading about uh, how it was doing in Baltimore and yeah. Chicago and all, it started to just sell. You right? became nationwide. Yeah, I mean, it was a nationwide yeah. hit, which it, is it was amazing. the first million seller for Gamble and Huff, right? It was. It, it, it was, and it was it. It actually was number one in each market across the country, although never at the same time. It made uh, Billboard uh, top 100 number four and R&B chart charted at three, I believe. Um, but in each market across the country, I mean, if you if you checked each the, the radio uh, weeklies, you'd see Expressway was number one at some time. But it was a different time. Uh, yeah, even the way know, well, it wasn't it's, so instant. I yeah, mean, and the way it, they report, like it's yeah, changed today. Yeah, I mean, exactly. even later years when the Hooters had a hit, it, 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 you know, they were still reporting in what we look at as a primitive way. Yeah. Today, everything is like digitized instant, and have yeah. instant. Yeah. But this is even the way that record became a hit was because some guy and music people were different back then. Mm-hmm. They really had music people working at radio stations. Exactly. Very few these days. So somebody heard that song and went. This is undeniable. Boom. And then if somebody sees uh, that, you know, Long John Waite, or just any DJ that mm. was a tastemaker heard, heard that song and said, that we're going to add that. So the way it happened was like a domino effect. But it takes time. It yeah, took exactly. time back then. It, you know, it, to do it. To do it. it took time, exactly. Yeah. By, the time, by the time it got to, like, L.A. and the West Coast, yeah. um, you know, it was already... Right. Coming down here, <laughs> so Leon. I was just asking you, like, who played Leon? Leon Huff played. Yeah, it was on. Huff played. Yeah. yeah, amazing. I yeah. think I think Rob has the organ at his studio. He does. That's he incredible. Does. Lowry man. organ. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, yeah. man. It what an amazing track, you know. So I'm just. Uh, what were the when you guys would play live? Did you notice that the crowd reactions would change from before the song came out to after the song came out? I mean, oh, was, yeah. did you have shrieking women and the whole? Uh, oh. Andy, that hasn't changed. Oh, yeah. We play that song, people still go, oh, <laughs> man, you know. It's amazing that um, the reaction that we have gotten all through the years with that song. Yeah. Hey, thank God for Expressway, I mean. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. you've had other great songs, and, and, and you know, uh, you guys uh, are such a, I like to call you an instrument. Like, there's certain singers, like Steve Winwood, you know, he's got the great yeah. instrument. You and, you and Rich had just his voices together, and even separately just had great voices. I mean, Richie's singing that bridge, it's like, brings tears to your eyes every time you hear it. It's like, wow, man. So, you know, it's it's... You know, it, that song is so identifiable with the Soul Survivors, but again, you've had other great, great songs and uh, have done great work over the years, you know, and you guys always stick together doing yeah. great music. So that's uh, yeah, we said yeah. for that. You know? well, I, I guess the first follow up single that you tried it was Explosion in Your Soul. Was that what it was called? Yeah, the, you know, the, for, the uh, formula in those days yeah. was like, <laughs> okay, we got that record. Let's try to get another one just like it. You know. That hasn't changed, though, Charlie. Uh, People still like, uh, they go, well, that works. So, yeah. you know, it's always dangerous. I mean, dangerous, a little risky when you go like a complete other way, which I've experienced with my, like, we're going to go a complete 180. People are like, what's that? That's nothing close to what you did last time. We yeah. What you did before. So I understand. Yeah, that. it's, uh, 
Yeah, it's, you know, uh, it's something I never liked. But you I know, was talking to Steve Butler on the way over there, and he was saying, you know, because he, he, what happens with the guys in in the pocket? A lot of them go to Charlie, and Charlie has such a rich history. They want to know about back in the old days, like touring in 1967. Like after you had that, I mean, you played with uh, the Beach Beach Boys, right? Yeah, there, we did a, Buffalo Springfield, yeah. right? I mean, I, I mean, think about yeah, was it, it. Yeah, that was the, the it was the Beach Boys tour. It was a Thanksgiving tour, and uh, it was the Buffalo Springfield Strawberry Alarm Clock. Oh my God! And, and, uh, Ed King just passed away from the Strawberry Alarm Clock. Yeah, went on player. to play with Skinner. Yeah, yeah. So you, yeah. you know, so what was it like touring back then? <laughs> um, scary because. Yeah. Uh, you know, to, I mean, first of all, we had just like kind of graduated from the bars, you know, and now here we are with, you know, these these bands that have been like, you know, yeah. icons, really. I mean, the Beach Boys, Buffalo yeah. Springfield. And they're used to one, touring one, and, get, you and know, they, like yeah, knowing they, what that's all no, about. Yeah. Like, did you play like back then? I think from what I understand, even back then, it was like you played 25 minutes or something, a half hour, and then the next band came up. Or yeah. It wasn't like you played like a three-hour show. Oh, no, 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 no. You know, it was a different thing. No, it was a whole different thing. We did, we the shows we did mostly back then were multi-group shows. Like, we did, like take one, for instance, at the arena here in Philly. It was, we, it was Frank Zappa. Noel Fudge, Slime of Family Stone and Us. Wow. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, these are the kind of shows that and, and used tickets, to have. Tickets probably cost four bucks or yeah, something for all yeah. those bands. Yeah, wow. so, uh, you know, um, it, it, those days... Did you ever see any good fights backstage with bands? Like that? Well... <laughs> it, uh, within the band, probably, yeah, you, right? You talked about, uh, you talked about the, the uh, Springfield, and mm, yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> wow. I mean, yeah. Stills and uh, Stills and Fury and uh, right. no, Fury, Fury was cool. He he he. You know, he was he was really cool. No, it, it was Neil Young and and Stephen Stills who just you know <laughs> they would stare, stare each other down and then occasionally graduate to. Well, you <laughs> Did know. you ever have to intervene? No, 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 no. <laughs> so one cool thing I know about you. Um, because we played that song, uh, it was we actually. I think it was the first time you had to sing on your own for a long time. Yeah, ITP played a New Hope, and we played Tell Daddy, mm-hmm. which which, which was, you recorded with Dwayne Allman. Oh, we recorded, right? yeah, right? We, yes, we recorded that in uh, in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, at the Old Fame Studios. Legendary uh, man, produced by Rick Hall. Now that song is, of course, it's Tell Mama, and yeah. James's original Tell Mama, but. You know, Rick uh, co-wrote the song, and it was his song. He said, hey, why don't, why don't we do Tell Daddy? And who, it was his studio. <laughs> so, right. Rick could do okay. whatever Rick wanted to do. <laughs> Rick could do whatever he wanted. So yeah. we did We did Tell Daddy. And, in fact, we were down there doing, we were actually doing uh, half of an album. We had completed half up at Atlantic Studios up in New York with Kenny and Huff. Uh, we didn't have enough material for the whole for the whole uh, uh, album, and yes, I still call them albums, but yeah, uh, they're but, coming back, Charlie. But uh, yeah, we're yeah. going to do one. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, and at that time, we were changing management. Yeah. Right in the middle of that, we were changing management. So we had half an album done, um, and we signed on with the same company that was managing the Vanilla Fudge. Uh-huh. Now, Vanilla Fudge had had. A road manager at the time. His name. His name. He wasn't Batman, but his name was Bruce Wayne, and he had been the Yardbirds uh, oh, road, road manager. Wow. He begged us. He said, 
you guys have to go down to Muscle Shoals. You got to, like, just. He heard you, probably he, got it. He said, we'll, we'll yeah. go down there. Yeah. We'll use their house rhythm section. Not bad. And, and it's going to be really good. So, so you had, was it, was it Roger Hawkins playing that day? Yeah, it was or? Roger Hawkins, Dave, <laughs> David Hood, uh, Jimmy Johnson. The best. Barry Beckett and Dwayne Allman. Traffic guys, man. So, yeah. Wow. So we went down and, I mean, <laughs> we got along right away with these guys. Was, I bet. They were, you know, great. Um, and wow. we showed them, you know, a couple of songs that we wanted to do. And, and then we did what they wanted to do. So we had the other half of the album done. Wow. It only took us three days. Um, and then as we left on a Sunday morning, they had the Memphis horns, horns were in there yeah. tracking the horn tracks. Wow. And we, and we said, those guys, you, you know, my experience with the Memphis horns is I thought it was going to be like 10 guys, and three guys, two, no, actually, I think when we it worked, there were only two. We had three. We had, we had Wayne Jackson, yeah. Bullitt, Bullitt, Miller, and oh my God, I, I, forgive I, me, I forget the last. I do too. I forget the guy. I forget, there were but, three of them. Man, but they were like, they played on one of our albums that we did mm-hmm. in Memphis, and I remember thinking, wow. It was, again, they created a sound between yeah. them, like you and Rich, you know, wow. Then Dwayne Allman, a little bit about Dwayne. I uh, got to tell you one thing. I got to tell you one thing. Now, most people know that Richie passed away about uh, yeah. a year and a half ago. God bless Richie, man. He but I will never forget, I was standing in the control room next to Dwayne, <laughs> and Richie is out there doing a vocal to a Mickey Newberry tune called Got Down on Saturday. And Dwayne turns to me and says, that boy can sing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, he, ne- I'll never well, forget he could, that. And, and that guy could play, and that guy knew when somebody could sing. And we're going to hear yeah. Tell Daddy, right? This, yeah. is, this is the track, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this is, so what, 1969? 69, yeah. 69. Yeah. Here's the, uh, the Soul Survivors with Dwayne Allman doing Tell Daddy.
that. Dave, Dave, you envious you didn't get to play in that, in, uh, in that session? Well, <laughs> one of my uh, Roger Hawkins was a good drummer I listened to yeah. a, a lot, and you know, played on amazing records. But, and you know, he didn't. It was just amazing. He had a great sound, great feel. That's a record. I, we were just hit the fade on that. You hear all these great little nuances coming out of it. On the fade, great things happening from so many amazing players. It's a shame we're not on video here because watching the smile on Charlie's face as he's as he's playing along. To, <laughs> yeah. to the song. That's, 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 I mean, it's this, hey. it's historic, and you know, Andy, when we were listening, he goes, man, this should have been like, it should have been in the top ten. That thing is it like fantastic. Man. As good as anything coming out back in the day, you hear it now, you go, wow. So well, good. you know, it's it's a funny thing. Soul Survivors were in a funny place. You know, I always like to think that we were sort of a bridge. Um, but people didn't know who we were. Um, people didn't know, okay, well... Are they white? Are they black? You probably got mistaken for being black. Many times. Yeah. Many times. Uh, um, And so that worked for us and against us, really. Mm. But, you know, in looking back, we were very fortunate to have been put in that that situation. But, of course, on the other end, um, we didn't get the play that we should have gotten. Yeah. Because we were very difficult to categorize yeah you know, people you know need to be able is. to put you in a box yeah exactly they do i mean well, that's what it's, yeah, true. it's it's hard it, that's the big challenge you know what i mean and uh, that's why it's so amazing that expressway came from gamble and huff and from you know crimson records uh, from you know from where it came uh, it's it a perfect example cream rising to the top it's so it's so good you know it you know that 67 was an amazing amazing because like i know just as somebody that was really being affected by what i was hearing because that was the year that open my eyes came out too todd was getting on the radio 67 was it really yeah you got i thought that was later no it's the same year man which is amazing uh, i mean that and uh, you know the radio was like because there were other things I was hearing. We were getting the British stuff, and you get yeah. that, that stuff. Because I, I didn't, I didn't know that you were a Philly band. I, I just thought you were, a, you know, it's great music that was coming out, you know. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I sat when we went saw them in Atlantic City. I remember I sat Mandrake Memorial were playing. So I, I, Randy, I don't know if you remember Randy from Mandrake Memorial, but he asked me that. I was like 11 years old. When you watch our equipment, I told my mom and dad, they can go, I'm, I'm hanging out here. I just wanted to hang out where the music was happening, you know? I don't think I don't think I saw you. I, mean, I guess I saw you today, but I don't remember seeing you because right. I was guarding the gear. Right. But that's all that mattered to me. I wanted to be close to where the action was. Yeah. They, well, yeah. The action was there. Charlie, you talk about how it was difficult because they didn't know how to categorize you guys. Did it was it frustrating not being able to follow up Expressway with something you know even close to as big? I mean, did did that wear on you and Richie at all? Or uh? yeah, it did. I mean, uh, you know, you, you Expressway was such such an experience and such a. I mean, we were having a really good, it was massive good time. I mean, we were all over the place. Yeah, and uh, you know, we thought well. You know, now we're rolling. Let's you know, let's let's follow this other one. I know that ex- feeling you know, too. But you know, gonna, it's just uh, yeah. you know that's another story. I mean, uh, uh, you know, Jerry Blavitt tells a very interesting story about that. And uh, well, I have to get Jerry here someday yeah. to talk about that with Don Kirshner. Yeah, and, you know. Well, I just saw. Um, oh my God, beautiful! 
which is the, on Broadway, and Don Kirshner is a guy that's like featured. There's a character that's Don Kirshner. With, it's the Carol King story. Yeah. And they got, uh, you know, the Righteous Brothers, they got a couple yeah. guys that come out saying, yeah. I turned it down, and when I was watching, I'm going, you know, they were great. And Richie and Charlie were the guys, you know. But you know, you were in—I think you were—you were in probably in Philly at the time that that was happening, right? Sixty-seven. Were you living in New York then? Both. I was living. We had. Uh, you were probably going back and forth. Though. We're going back and forth. You, you lived, you know, because Rini would tell me a story yeah. about you guys when you lived in uh, on Tenth Street. Was it Tenth Street in New York where the, Hell, the Hell's Angels? No, it that was, was the no, survivors that, in the Hell's Angels. No, that was Third Street. Oh, Third they, Street. They came in. See, I. Well, Nobody. We, I heard no one messed with you because you were friends with no, the Hell's no, Angels. No, no, no. We, we, well, yeah. We, we grew up. Richie and I grew up in that neighborhood. That's, yeah, that was our neighborhood. So everybody knew you. But yeah, but later on, um, I don't know what year it was, but Hell's Angels took over Third Street. Yeah, their bikes. I mean, they, they took like, it we over, park where yeah. we want to park. Yeah, <laughs> so it was crazy. Yeah. But um, uh, but you know, we we we. Some of us were a little friendly with it. It wasn't, yeah. you know. Like, there were crazy times. I mean, a lot yeah. of things changing in America, the culture, drug culture, the yeah. whole thing. Things were, you know, anything goes almost, you know. And you didn't know. I mean, it wasn't like the technology age, but it was mm. like, you know, the music. And I think music had a lot to do with where our culture was, you know. Oh. Clothing, it, vibe, it, it politics, kind of everything. drove the culture, really. Yeah. I mean, from, now, so when... Um, when we um, we had when we had Expressway, we and and the two that followed, there was you know Explosion, My Soul, and uh, Mission Impossible, and we we kept that going for several years, right? Um, and keeping a band together too. Yeah, we you kept know? yeah we kept the band together, right. and then um, uh, I believe it was in 1970. We said, well, let's let's take a break. You know, I've had enough. How about you? Yeah, we've yeah. Had enough. And so we wound up, uh, um, Richie found a, he found a, a farm in uh, Mount Laurel. <laughs> so, we, so we had that place, and there was a big barn there, great mm -hmm. big old barn. Right. So I had, uh, Richie and I had met John, Johnny Zubak, uh -huh. who, later became, who I later named Beto. Beto. He was a drummer. Famous drummer. Yeah, he's, yeah. A, he's a drummer. We had met him. He played because, with Eddie James. Yeah, but pr way prior to that. Yeah. He he was in a group called Kingdom Come, yeah. which was the house band of the Village Theater before it became the Fillmore right. East. How did he get the name Beto? That's what I want to know. I gave him that name. It was from a traffic song, and I, I forget the song, but uh, you hear it, it goes, uh, you know, jazz, man. I mean, jazz. I mean, Beto, Beto. <laughs> That's so, perfect for so that guy. So Beto was such a jazz-looking yeah. bohemian. He still looks bass. cool, that guy, man. He looks way cool. I see yeah. him on Facebook. I'm yeah. like, that guy looks cool. Yeah, he's sporting a white hat and a cane. Yeah, <laughs> but he's still playing the drums, yeah, too, still man. Plays. God bless yeah, him, man. He's a great guy. Yeah. So I, I knew him from, from Kingdom Come. Um, so, uh, we had for all intents and purposes, Richie and I were out in Houston, Texas, working on a project and, um, I get a call from my mother. This is 1972 or three. Get a call from my mother. Kenny Gamble wants you to call him. So we call Kenny. Kenny says, I've got a song that you guys have to do. And it's called soul to soul. Says, oh great man, you know, let's 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 get to Philly. So we did. We came to, back to Philly. 
and uh, met up with Kenny and uh, listened to uh, that song. So yeah, we want to do this. Uh, but listen, man, could we could we do that with? Uh, we got a bunch of guys that we like to play with. Can we bring them in? They're up in Woodstock now. Okay, can we bring them in uh, to, to be uh, to back us up? So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he was cool with that. So that's when we got Beto to come down. Freddie Beckmeyer, his brother Steve Beckmeyer, Neil Larson. Legendary guys. These guys were yeah. in a group called Bang, who were playing up in Woodstock. Yeah. Along with uh, Tom Dawes. Tom Dawes was, uh, he had a band back back then called The Circle. Mm-hmm. Red Rubber Ball. Yeah. And he was married yeah, by Sid Bernstein. Oh, I love that. I love that song, yeah. Red Rubber Ball. I love yeah. that. Circle yeah. were great. So, it wasn't even spelled like circle. There was a Y in yeah, it. Yeah, circle with a Y. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tom went on to, to own a, a giant uh, jingle company in New York, did a lot of big, I bet. big commercials. Yeah. But anyway, so we brought them to Philly. They came to Philly, and we wound up doing a whole album with them. Um, you know, we asked Kenny, you know, would it be cool if we, if we uh, you know, did an album? So he said, yeah, okay, you know, let's do it. We we kind of all moved back to Philly. We all found apartments, and and then we stayed. Uh, actually, we stayed at the Bellevue Stratford for like a couple of months. <laughs> yeah, you know, doing this album. And after that, we you know we stayed, found apartments, and all. And then we did a bunch of gigs around around, including Bijou Cafe. Uh, so that went. We kept that group together for right. a, a, a few years until. Until um, guys started, they wanted to get it, go to L.A. They wanted to go here. They wanted yeah, to go um, the band guys started. Yeah, the band guys. Like yeah. uh, Freddie, Freddie and his brother went out to L.A. and they took Session Steve guys. Berlin with them. Yeah, uh, who was who became you know Los Lobos. Right, right. It took it was it was called the Beckmeyer Brothers. Yeah. They had Bobby Martin, who's now Robert Martin. Yeah, great musician. Plays everything. Plays he was. Everything. I met him with Stevie Nicks. Yeah, he plays. He was Stevie Nicks. Like, yeah, great musician. Great musician. So they were the Beckmeyer brothers out there. Right. Uh, Neil went to play with Rick Springfield, and yeah. later on, I met him with Kenny Loggins. Kenny Loggins, right. and then Al Jarreau. Yeah. He played. You know, and then his his last gig was with Leonard Cohen for years. Oh wow. So uh, and he's out in LA. And you even told me that you know for live Buzzy Feet and Buzzy Feet played. He's the yeah. riff on that Footloose that down or down or that yeah. riff. That's Buzzy Feet. Buzzy that. played with us on several gigs around in this area. As yeah. a matter of fact, there was a group called Full Moon, which uh, Freddie was in along with Buzzy and Neil and uh, and. Uh, Several guys from the Paul Butterfield band, you know, <laughs> Gene Dinwiddie and Philip Wilson, right? And uh, Richie and I just fronted those guys on a couple of gigs in in this area, and uh, and that group was great. It was so was yeah, when you get that kind of group together, it's like a yeah. football, to, like the Eagles yeah. right now, yeah. man. You got you get every great. piece in place, and they're all got their own thing. And, and we rehearsed in that big barn in Mount Laurel. Yeah, I'll tell so you, you, what, still, you still had the farm. You still had the farm in Mount Laurel at this time. At that time, yeah, we still did at that time. Now, was this around the time you cut City of Brotherly Love? Yes. Which is... Was uh, right after. That was, that, was in, that was in December of uh, 
74. See, that's another one to me when I hear I'm going, it should have been, because you hear it, you go like, man, that sounds Well, like especially here record, in Philadelphia. You know? it, I was saying with before the, we went on, this should, yeah, have been, bicentennial. It should have been as big as Philadelphia Freedom. Exactly. I mean, as far as an ode to the, to the city, I mean, yeah. it's a, you guys at that point, I guess you felt, even though you're native New Yorkers, I mean, you obviously felt a kinship to Philadelphia. Oh, we had adapted, you know, Philadelphia. We, they adopted us and we adopted yeah. them. You know? right. Philly, Philly was our, our, our home base. Yeah, A lot of people don't know this song. I, I have to admit, I had I was, you know, researching for this interview. I wasn't familiar with it. I checked it out yesterday. I said, like, "How is this not? How is this not a huge right, hit?" How, so yeah. we should we should play this uh, uh, "City of Brotherly Love" from the Soul Survivors, uh, December of nineteen seventy four. Seventy four. Excellent. Of brotherly love, you were just saying yeah. this. You guys recorded this right around the time that uh, David Bowie recorded Young Americans. Same exact. Time. It reminds me a lot of, yeah. of Young Americans. You hear it has that, you know, the the slap back on it. A little bit sounds a little bit of like the Bowie yeah, they record were, at that time. Yeah, they were upstairs doing uh, that album. We yeah, but you didn't downstairs. meet. You didn't get to meet David. No, because uh, there was very little, you know, leisure time. We were all there working, really. Yeah, you know, and he'd be hustled in and hustled out and. You know. Yeah, that, that usually in the studio, unless you're like going out for a cup of coffee, yeah. you run into somebody. Record plant yeah. was like that. I only worked at Sigma really one time 
on something with Cindy, but you know there wasn't really no, a it's place. Not that, it's not a hang, really. It wasn't. But you, you told a great story a little while we were listening about all the kids in the outside with the green hair. Oh yeah, and everybody waiting oh, yeah. to meet Bowie, oh, yeah. get an autograph, or just see him. Just see him. Special sure. times, you know, because I even know there's some great photos at Sigma with. Uh, um, when they were honored, Joe Tarsia, they, they, there were some photos of Bruce Springsteen and Luther Vandross and mm. I think Bed Midler or something. They were all like coming to the studio, come to Philadelphia. To, with Bowie was, you know, the thing. But Everybody. he wanted that Philly sound. Yeah. He wanted to sound, you know, like like you. <laughs> they, they got a great sound there. Oh, yeah. yeah that's a great album. Yeah. Charlie, yeah. What's, your, what's your ultimate Philly song or record? Like, what's what, what, what song do you think best represents mm. the city do you, is there, oh, that's, that's, I know I, uh, I kind of threw that one, sprung yeah. that on you I, yeah. I have an opinion on that because you they do. cut it for me they, when we did Backstabbers to me that was even though I don't know those guys I think are from Ohio or something yeah from but, Cleveland but, yeah. Yeah, but they were a Gamble and Huff uh, you know the OJ's. Well, they were a Gamble and Huff Rescue yeah, yeah. you know Rescue yeah I mean, well, well I'll tell you what they, they made a great record yeah but you know, again, like when Richie and Charlie came and sang it, 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 I felt like they owned it, and they had a great sound, and you know, it was that their was voices. A, well, that was a great session because Bobby and TJ just T, we just lost TJ. We had just uh, lost uh, TJ Tyndall, who yeah. who was uh, one of the original guitar players on on Backstabbers. Played on a lot of stuff. Uh, too. Played Bobby on a lot Eli. of stuff. Bobby Eli was part of the session. Yeah. And we actually had TJ's guitar <laughs> brought to the session by yeah. Anita Wise, his wife. Yeah. And it was a very emotional it day. It was. It was a very emotional day, and everybody really did leave their egos at the door. Yeah. It was, it was a fantastic day. Special. And I remember Richie, you know, you know, like, if you're doing it, you got to do it right. And he was behind me, and we were, like, listening, trying to find a groove. And, you know, we're messing around with it and you know we, we were we missing it, it. Yeah. we were just missing it and, and we and we, we got we landed on something and you know really with us we do a couple takes like when you when you get yeah. something good but we got it and uh, and Richie was like it was just as fun to watch the joy on his face and, and very excited about doing oh, yeah. it you guys killed it too on the vocals um, great performance yeah we're gonna hear stuff. that but first I wanna go, I wanna go back to the beginning yeah. of In the Pocket when you Dave when you first started In the Pocket was Richie and Charlie were they like two of the first people that you wanted yeah. to bring in I mean, oh you... yeah I mean they're synonymous with you know Philadelphia like I know their history from being around them for a long time but I but you know that was like uh, if you have a bucket list of guys you'd like to, to work with um, have them sing on it you know so how did that go did you just did they say yes right did, did you and Rich uh, say yes right away or, or did uh, yeah Dave yeah called and I said yeah sure yeah they're easy it. I mean they're pros and they they knew that we had pro guys doing it and so it wasn't like you know we just had to put it together and have Not it done it. right we did it right this one was recorded uh, backstabbers no the first thing they did, it was funny, I was doing a tribute to John Kuzma and Bobby Woods. Right. And we did a, a Blues Buster song called Soon You'll Be Gone. And I had them come in and we did it at Rob Studer, Elm Street. And, yeah. uh, you know, they were, you know, they were just perfect to do it. And the thing about it is that, you know, these guys, 
to me, Richie and Charlie are very accomplished singers. They just, you know, they they they, they didn't even like sometimes wouldn't have to talk something through. They'd look something through. Yeah. They look at each other and know like it was so interesting. Oh, absolutely amazing way to watch those guys sing and communicate to one another because it was by body language, by f- face, you know, s- expressions, and they would go to places. frowns. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, but uh, John. John it was a different kind of singer. It was one motion, but but he p- p- did a great performance. So I needed somebody that was going to singers that were going to really make take it to a, a level of more than respectability. They were incredible, and Rob I basically helped Rob. Uh, we're producing the vocals with those guys, yeah. and they killed it. And I mean, the pocket was, was presented uh, a real good opportunity for Richie and I to yeah. to um, work with some some people that we hadn't really known we kind of uh that came after us really uh their popularity like richard bush like tommy conwell um you know greg davis these guys we we hadn't really worked with them uh although you know we kind of like knew each other but not really not really worked together and it, it really has been a pleasure to work with those people. They, they're like they're like the Godfather, right? <laughs> <laughs> really are, man. It's like, wow, you know. And I know the young guys, the very younger cats that came in to work with us. You know, like they they, they weren't even born at the time that they were having their yeah. success. So it's interesting to see when they went, oh, they're that. You know, well, that's who it is. The first time I heard in the pocket live, yeah, I wasn't old enough to have heard Richie and Charlie back in the day. So the first time I heard them, you know, in the pocket, which 2011 went 2010 somewhere around there i'm just blown away and i'm thinking if you close your eyes these guys sound like they're 20 years old yeah and, uh, they it, still it, do that's your, i mean you, you know mm, you that's like a, that's that's a blessing yeah, yeah charlie's got some good dna of, i don't know he just he, none of my doing yeah it's well it's really good you know that he, he looks great and he's still healthy and he's singing his ass off so well, i mean should we should we listen to them on backstabbers charlie and richie uh, yeah, yeah. Let's uh, marcus let's queue up uh from in the pocket this is uh their cover of uh the oj's backstabbers Friends, yeah, what they do to me. 
Cats in the pocket doing Backstabbers. Charlie was just singing it along here in the studio. Uh, that's the great OJ's classic, that which TJ Tyndall played on the original. And, yeah. and you guys recorded that, I know, just like a week after TJ passed. And uh, so I'm yes. sure it was a very emotional session. Uh, yeah, he was a unique guy. You know, like yeah. we, That was probably the coolest thing about in the, uh, doing In the Pocket for me is like just to have an opportunity to, to – you know, because when you get to work with people, uh, it, it you know you see you just it's a different thing, you know, and then socializing and stuff like that. Because I mean, it's what we do. And so with TJ, who's another one that I always admired, and I, it was somebody I would play things for to get his opinion on, because he knew what a hit record was. Yeah. I was a lot like Charlie in a sense. Like I think I told you a story about all you zombies last week, where I didn't <laughs> you get thought it. it sucked, basically, I, I, the Bible story. I didn't get it. You know, I used to tell them, Charlie, put that song second so we can get it over with. <laughs> Becomes huge you know i mean it's one of those songs that did really great for us and i didn't know you know yeah, so i'm not sound this, this whole sound. well when you play on as many hit records as tj did you know yeah. what it, you know what a hit record yeah, sounds he knew. like he yeah. said man son that's a hit yeah i yeah. think i played him day by day which was the yeah. was number six i played him and he goes that's a hit and i said i wouldn't have known you know so you know we're in a crazy business with the with music like it, and it's changing too like you know, Charlie had the days when, like, um, you know, he, he had a hit record when there was, when there were, those hits were coming off of AM radio, you know, yeah. and, and the, the FM radio was evolving. And, mm-hmm. and nowadays, and people are becoming, a, a, I don't say overnight successes, but they're, they're learning to use the internet to become hits, YouTube, and, uh, um, you know, you can learn anything you want on YouTube too, like as a musician, if you want. But it's a different era. You totally, know? Different. Um, totally different. You know, sound scan allows people to to um, uh, report songs, I guess, quicker. You know, but you know, there's all these TV shows. You know, it's interesting too. You know, I don't know what your thoughts on it, but like, uh, you know, I I sometimes see The Voice and why it merits its fans and stuff like that. It just could you imagine if like. You know, Bob Dylan went on The Voice or somebody like that, and somebody said, "Well, you're, yeah, you're not going to cut it, you know, because you can't really sing in key." You know, so many great guys. You know, I mean, that's how they make it these days. But yeah. it's. I've never uh, watched any of those shows. Yeah, the Voice it, it or probably any freaks of them. you out. I no, I, I just can't. You know, I listen. judged like that. You know, because yeah, you know sometimes I, your best I'm work sorry, happens. It, it in, just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, I know these, these a lot of them, a lot of these kids are really, really talented. Yeah. I mean, really are. But there's a lot of guys but, that they'd say to go away that, yeah. you know, I bet you that guy's really Can you imagine good. Tom Waits going on The Voice? Yeah, <laughs> I know. Like, yeah. Oh, you can't sing. Right. Yeah, hey, they, uh, they never, they seem to lose the, the character. You know, it's like the character voice, you know, the guy that's telling the story. Well, well, speaking of voices and, and, you know, we have one of them right here in in Charlie and then, of course, his brother, Richie. Can you talk a little bit about the the chemistry, the the, the rapport, the just the kind of the natural, the way you guys just played off each other? I mean, obviously being brothers helped, but that, you know, there's a lot of brothers who sing who still don't have, you know, who still don't have the the clicking that that you and Richie did. And how was that just, did you have to have to work at that or was it just always natural? It was always natural because we had the same soul. We had the same likes, the same taste in music, more or less. I mean, he had his, you know, his preferences and I had mine, but we had a common ground and we knew we knew when we were doing well. We yeah. knew when we were being honest yeah. with what we were doing. Right. And that caused us to smile. And once we smiled at each other, yeah. the, rest of the, the rest of the performance was... Tense. You know, what's cool is because you didn't have the same... You both had... 
you had different voices. Oh yeah, but yeah. it worked together, you know. So and, and and they worked towards each other. Yeah, um, yeah. you know. Uh, but we, I mean, uh, because we came from harmony, street corner harmony, yeah. you know, and that's where we came from. The best of it. and uh, and that's where we made our our bones really. When we started singing leads, that was just a, another thing because a lot, a lot of the groups that I was in, uh, well, not a lot of them, but several of them, I was the, wasn't the lead singer. I was you know, a background singer. Same thing with Richie. But once you put him up front, and once you put me up front, then you, that's a whole other realm. But you've got that background of mm -hmm. harmony and how to sing with someone else. See, a lot of, a lot of singers that I come across. They can sing, man. Yeah. The guys are great. Put them with one or two other guys, and they get lost. Yeah, they're singing I, on your note, right. singing over here. And you you, know your I mean? harmony is a different thing. You got that down. I, I love when I saw you with Angel Rosario yeah, and yeah. all those guys when we did. The, I think the tribute to that Richie, was you know no that was TJ's TJ's tribute yeah, right yeah, yeah. and you know there were guys that understood that that was like a thing yeah. man the vocals were the you know, you were yeah. singers, man. You well, know? you had one of the guys from the Duprees. You had Angel Rissoff, who was a you know a group singer. Right. Um, they were they were they came from the Planetones. So were these, the the, who was your who was you and Richie? Did you Richie have a guy like like I had Buddy Rich, right? Buddy Rich, yeah. was my guy. Hey, you know, pain in the ass, but I, I love, he was like super talented. Was there a, a, a singer that you guys said? Uh, or maybe no. like, because I know you like Marvin Gaye. Love like, Marvin Gaye. You know, uh, you know, was there any like? I would have to say, I would have to say, maybe Sam and Dave. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, there are a lot of duos. Yeah. From from that era, from the er, from the early and mid '60s, that we. But I have to say one thing, really, initially, one of the biggest influences on us was the Everly Brothers because. Huh. Their harmony, they were brothers, and they had... It was natural, and there was a science yeah, exactly. behind it. Exactly. I mean, they, that yeah. was just... That's, yeah. We used to sing all Everly Brothers songs wow. when we were together alone. Wow. You know, in a car or something like that. Right. Because th that harmony was like really special. Yeah. And then we used, you know, then we used it. It got a little more soulful. Yeah. I mean, you know... I'll tell you, one you of the know. best moments I ever had, Andy, with these guys, we were playing the Armour Musical... And it was Charlie and Richie would like before we go on, they kind of walk, like almost bump into each other, like getting ready to get on stage. You got this thing, and Tommy Conwell joined them, and they were singing. And, and Tommy, like, is a bit of a historian. With yeah, music. he is. He really, he really has got it down. Him. He really like, wow, you know that? He's a real great listener. Yeah. And he was singing with these guys, and they were doing these old songs. It was a cool old doo wop thing they were doing. Yeah. Man, it was. I was doing some Dion stuff. Yeah, there's a great singer, right, Dion? Oh yeah, man, still doing it. Yeah, still sounding great. Well, you know, one of the most emotional concert moments I ever experienced was when you guys went in the pocket. It was, I guess, a few weeks after Richie passed in, in January of 2017. Yeah. And you guys came out at World Cafe Live and right. and, and Charlie was there. And, yeah. and and you just, you opened with Expressway. Yeah. And, you, and you just, 
you just blew the blew the roof off the place with yeah. Expressway, and then it just became this. It was a celebration of Richie's life. The entire night felt like a celebration of Richie's life, and it wasn't you know as as, as devastating as it was for the community and for Charlie and everyone who knew yeah. him to lose Richie. Yeah. This wasn't a sad night. It was a party night, and yeah. I, I, I don't want to speak for you, Charlie. No, but that was, was Charlie a, was unbelievable. That was yeah. a very important night. Oh. Yeah. That was a very important yeah. thing for me to do. Because he got on the horse. There, there was some question. Uh, there was some question. <laughs> well, you had barely ever sung without Richie, right? I mean, it, barely. Yeah. Uh, for a long time. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, I did a couple of things, but anyway, that that night was very. Um, I had to decide what was going to happen from there on. Yeah. And um, I got a lot of encouragement from Dave and a lot of people saying immediately. You know, immediately, uh, he like, just went right. Got to get back in it. You know. And, you know? Matter of fact, uh, and Larry Maggot called me. Said you got to keep singing, you know. And, yeah. And, and, and people just uh, supported. He me. loves you guys and, too, uh, man. <laughs> listen, Many we, years. He's he's a great guy, you know. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, Electric Factory is now gone. Yeah, I saw that is, on the Yeah, it just got sold this week, and the news. name is going to go with it. Yeah. So yeah, it's, that's kind of sad to see that go. I think it's AG AG AEG, and uh, yeah. it's Bowery Presents. Bowery Presents bought the Electric Factory, yeah. right? right? And and the, the, they're not letting them keep the name. So after right. you know, it's been around since you know, in, in the two two incarnations. Well, who knows? Maybe Larry will like. You know who knows? Who knows what's going like, on? Who knows there, with him? There, you know, yeah. he might, <laughs> might open up another. I'm sure, room. Charlie. You, I'm sure you got plenty of memories of the Electric Factory. Oh, absolutely, sure. Yeah. I I worked for Electric uh, Electric Factory. I worked the Tower Theater. I worked yeah. every position in that building, from taking tickets to stage crew to yeah. bouncer. Charlie's a lifer. <laughs> you know, it's I'm like a you know, music, and you know, just you know, you do what you have to do to just do what stay you want to do to be a part of it. Yeah. You know, and uh, man, I can't be. More happier to have Charlie with us when we play. He's going to be with you next Saturday. Week. Yeah, yeah. If you've never Saturday. heard, I don't know. If you've never heard Charlie sing live, you, 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 I don't know what you're waiting for, but you got a chance, right? This Saturday, September fifteenth, in yeah. the pocket is doing the recovery concert down at the Gershman Y in Philadelphia. Yeah. It's a, it's a benefit for uh, for help people get in recovery, help people get treatment, and you're going to have everybody there on Saturday, right, Dave? I mean, well, a lot yeah, of the regulars, a lot, a lot of guys that usually do in the pocket will be there. Tommy, Richard, Ben, Charlie, of course, you know, and. Uh, We'll have uh, a horn section. We'll have Steve Butler and Cliff Hillis. Uh, it's great. I even called Skip up today. I don't know if Skip can make it. Oh, hey, cool. Why don't you come, man? You know. So it's it, it'll be a special night for that. You know, and uh, we got a lot of cool things happening. And I'm looking forward to you know paying a tribute to that great song that Charlie did Expressway. You know, with Patty. That'll be fun. Right. That's. I know you mentioned that last week. Is it now official that you guys are? Gonna well, be yeah. I mean, we got, we got a date on the books, and we're going to track it, and we're going to cut it, and Patty's going to come in town, and you know, Charlie will help directing the session, and hopefully he'll be singing some, and you know, and um, what do you Steve, think? Of that? I didn't mention Steve Aceto last week, who videotapes our video. I felt oh, bad yeah, because Steve. he does great. a little documentary of, of of the session, which is always fun. Which sometimes a little bit. I I know if it's hard for singers when you got a camera that comes in your face, but I know that people love to see it. And now in day this day and age where people learn about songs through the internet, I like to try to give them as much info as possible so they can learn about it. Charlie, what do you think about Patty Smythe uh, recording your, uh, your listen, song next week or, or in a couple weeks? I hope uh, I hope she uh, she gets here. And I can't wait. <laughs> She'll to, get here. I, she's she's I a, can't wait. She's a I, you know, Patty and I go way back. Yeah, I mean, I, I've known Patty since she was like sixteen. Yeah, uh, haven't seen her in years. But, what a voice! But uh, she's the one. See, I always wanted. Uh, in in re-recording that song, I always wanted to hear a woman's voice. 
I always wanted, uh, you know, a chick to do it. Yeah. And she's got, she's got the right. <laughs> what a voice. She's got the right voice yeah. and the right vibe, and she can do it. She's, she's. Yeah, tough. I worked with her once. I, I did a, well, a couple times, but I remember one point where we played the Jay Leno show, and, you know, back then you have this glass where the drums are behind the glass, and I'm playing, and didn't have ear monitors back then when I had a monitor. We just found the tape, and I remember hearing her voice come. There was a monitor, and I was like, "Oh my god." You know, there was no pitch shifter on her or anything. She sang amazing. I think she's pretty hard on herself too, but from my you know witnessing it. But she's really special voice, very yeah, char yeah. character, and really beautiful looking tone. Looking forward to that. Beautiful human being too. Yeah, so a lot, a lot of good stuff coming up. Now I should mention too, Dave. You got a show coming up with Smash Palace on uh, Septem oh. September twenty first at yes, the vault. At the vault. Uh, yeah, another yeah. couple, a bunch of guys from in the pocket also play in Smash Palace. Yes, Steve Butler. Yeah, and, and Wally Cliff. Smith. You know, and Cliff. And Greg, and we got a new bass player that was going to be playing oh, with okay. us. Okay, all right. You know, Fran is doing Fran's thing, which God bless him. And uh, we have a, a guy that who plays with Cliff Hillis is going to be playing bass, and we're very excited about that. So, well, this was uh, it, it was such an honor and a thrill to have the great uh, Charlie Ingue uh, you know, as our first guest here in yeah, sure. week two of, of. Hey, the other exciting thing about in the pocket the, the podcast is the Eagles are undefeated since, yeah. since hey. we started this. Yeah, and they, yeah, they, they got Tampa, Tampa they, on Sunday. Jackson, they have Jackson that's going to be uh, Deshaun Jackson. Don't know if he's playing this week. Not gonna... sure if he's playing. I don't know. I don't, but quarter, oh, he's playing. Is he is injured? He? Uh, yeah, they, they, he's, he's iffy. Yeah. But uh, oh. there's no way. There's no way Ryan oh. Fitzpatrick puts up forty points and no forty-eight way. points against but the Eagles. How defense. the hell did they? Uh, they played. How did Saint, um, uh, the the um, Saints lose to them last week? They were people talking about them winning by like you know uh, multiple touchdowns and they got beat. But Brees still through for almost 500 yards or something yeah like that, right, you know right. so anyway. you know so and yeah. our Phillies are looking a little no, our Phillies, I think I think <laughs> the Phillies are, are done at this point and yeah, they give us a more exciting summer than we expected though who, so. who would have thought but next year we got next yeah, year yeah, so. maybe we bring in a uh, free agent Bryce somewhere. Harper maybe that'd be nice yeah so anyway, uh, great thanks to, to the great uh, Charlie Ingue. Yeah, uh, thanks, Charlie. Check out yeah. In the Pocket uh, this Saturday night, September 15th at the Gershman Building. Uh, thanks to uh, Wildfire Radio for hosting us. Thanks Marcus, to Marcus. Marcus, thank our, you, buddy. Our engineer in the booth. Awesome. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll be back uh, next week. Next week. Thanks again. Sweet. Bye. Uh.